Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? Uh, warm welcome to all of you here in the auditorium and also for those of you online. So glad that we get to be together today. It's really awesome to be able to hang out together, sing some amazing songs. Wasn't the band amazing today? Just so good. Yeah. So good. Love those songs. Just really spoke to my heart. So thank you guys for being here. It's really my conviction uh, as I've been preparing for this message uh, that God has something to say to you today. He wants something to tell you to take with you through the course of the day. He wants to talk to you about some things going on in your life. Uh, he's been talking to me about things going on in my life. And so it'd be an awesome time for us to spend in his word and uh, talking together about the things of God today. So let's just dive right in. Well, uh, I don't think it's a secret for anybody that uh, 2020 is turning out a lot different <laughs> than most of us anticipated about six or seven months ago. That's not new news for anybody. But if you were to rewind the clock like 25 years, I know that seems like a whole epoch ago of world history. Um, but 1995, that was a great year. <laughs> That was the year that I graduated from high school. I know, it seems like a million years ago to me right now. But it was the year I graduated high school, and it's a great mile marker. Many of you and your families have celebrated that mile marker, even through this COVID season, in one way or another, have celebrated that great milestone in your families. And so it was just an amazing moment in my life. Uh, it, my senior year had been great. Uh, all summer long, I was playing basketball in preparation for my freshman season in college. Uh, I went on a trip to Phoenix. Arizona, uh, where I got to spend some time hearing about God and like doing some spiritual work in my life. It was actually the first moment that I heard God speak to me about becoming a pastor. And I wrestled with that for a long time afterwards, but that was the first moment that God really asked me to start stepping in and leaning into his plan for my life. And so just a big moment there in that season. And then two weeks after that initial call to ministry, uh, this amazing moment happened in my life where I gathered together with about 10 or 15 people. They were new students. All of us were new students at college. We were in a freshman orientation class and the clouds parted. I heard angels start singing. A light from heaven shone down across the room and this beautiful young lady named Stephanie was sitting across the, uh, across the tables from me. Yes, she's an amazing lady and I had no idea how God would change my life through her. We've been married for 21 years, two months and 26 days, but who's counting, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Uh, so good, man. And it's just an incredible moment in my life. That season was so special to me. I'm really grateful for that good moment in my life. But really, you know, honestly, when you take a look at it, uh, that's just a highlight of my life, right? There are some other places in my life that were, you could call them lowlights, um, places of even like real darkness in my life. Uh, I mean, we all should understand by now that evil is no respecter of persons, right? It finds its way somehow or another. It wiggles its way into all of our lives at one point or another. And I'm no different than you in that. And even though I might reminisce and kind of be nostalgic about 1995, I understand that that year is long gone and that there's a new day that God wants to do new things in my life. So how about you? Do you remember when you left home or maybe you're leaving home right now in this season of your life? And I, I don't just mean like leaving home for college necessarily. Most of us may not necessarily be in that boat, but I'm talking spiritually or emotionally, uh, even relationally. Uh, are you leaving home right now? That's a pretty important question. That place of safety, the place of abundance, the place of joy, of beginnings and origins, creative uh, thinking, all the pieces that we would consider part of home life. Um, are you leaving that place of safety right now? 
honestly, I'll just let the cat out of the bag today. I really think that all of us have left home in a lot of different ways, on a lot of different levels in our lives. And so that's what we're going to be spending some time talking about today. We're all away from home, not just really the home that we were raised in, but our true home, a home that we really haven't quite seen yet. Uh, Jesus told his followers that he was going to go and prepare a place for them so that they could be where he is. And we know that to mean that he was talking about preparing a place in heaven for us. And I don't know about you, but when I look around me, like, I don't think we're there yet, guys. (laughs) I think we've got a little ways to go until that happens. So what about you? Can you sit with that question for a moment? Uh, Where are you in relationship to this heavenly home? Well, as Beth mentioned a minute ago, we've been uh, walking through a series called Lost and Found the last few weeks, and this is the final week of that. These messages have been based on three stories that Jesus told, and they're recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And so we've talked about uh, the lost sheep and how God goes after the one sheep, and we talked about the lost coin and, and how, God, uh, how God really seeks out, just even uh, puts his stamp of imprint, his image in us. And it's just a really fantastic set of messages. If you haven't watched those, I would really encourage you to go back and see those. There's a lot of really great help, helpful material in those messages over the past couple of weeks. But um, in this particular story that we're going to visit today, the third story of this three-part kind of series, uh, we see a group of people who had gathered around Jesus, and they were wanting to listen to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Now, in this group, there were um, a couple of different types of people that you could kind of categorize, I guess you'd say. The first group would be insiders. Uh, These are people who just kind of had their life together. They uh, felt at home almost everywhere they went because they were usually the guests of honor in almost every setting that they were in. They were really well-respected in their community. They always were sort of those upstanding citizens that everybody was pointing to because they kind of seemed to have their life together. They followed the rules really, really well. And then there were some other people in that group that you could just throw on the opposite end of the spectrum, and you could just call them outsiders. And they were people that were really broken. They had been mistreated. They were spoken down to all, all the time. And they were always seeming to like, find themselves on the outside looking in, just always feeling that sense of oppression. Now, if you sit with that for a second, kind of picture that setting in your mind. I don't think that's very hard for us to relate to, right? I mean, there are tons of places. How many places do you go where you recognize almost immediately who the insiders are and who the outsiders are, right? And also, you can recognize where you are in relationship to those insiders or those outsiders, right? I mean, you think about parties, like family gatherings. You go to ball games uh, or various other kinds of activities in life, and we almost immediately recognize who the insiders and who the outsiders are, including, can I say it, church gatherings. You can tell who the insiders and the outsiders are at times, and sometimes we all feel a little self-conscious about that, whether you're on the inside or you're on the outside. You can feel that sense of anxiety, Well, as you might guess, the insiders and the outsiders, they didn't really get along together. They didn't have a whole lot in common with one another, and so they just really didn't get along. They had a lot of resentment. There was a lot of ill will. There was a lot of judgmentalism between those two groups, and that caused a lot of strife between them. And somehow, though, somehow they were here with Jesus in this moment to listen to what he had to say. And that's actually how you see Jesus many, many, many times. He's always at the center of the story, guys. Whether it's your life, my life, the people who are listening to him 2,000 years ago, he's at the center of the story. 
So as he had been teaching uh, over the course of his ministry, you know, there's 14 chapters that we won't necessarily read today, but there's a lot of things going on. Jesus had been teaching. He'd been healing. He was bringing hope to people who had felt like they were on the outside. He was restoring their lives on so many levels, and they began to experience, like, these dramatic life changes. It was so impactful, so powerful, whether it was him physically, literally healing somebody physically, or he was teaching them to see life from a really different perspective He brought a breath of fresh air into people's lives, and that caused them to change. They were turning away from sin, and they were doing good things with their lives, and they were being cleansed, they were being healed, they were being freed from physical, spiritual, emotional, even relational or social brokenness and imprisonment. I guess it's just too bad we don't have very many people in that setting or situation these days, right? No, I think actually... We have a lot of people in that situation, right? Maybe you are feeling like you're in that situation today. Life has kind of kicked you around. feel like you're on the outside and you need a word from God to be able to help you today. Well, all of that life change, it wasn't really sitting very well with the insiders because Jesus was really changing the game. He was challenging these guys too. He was challenging them to a greater level of godliness, a greater level of maturity. He was asking them and calling them to step it up, to be more sacrificial, to think of themselves less and others more. And they didn't really like that kind of change. It required them to follow through on their beliefs in ways that were very uncomfortable for them. And so they gave Jesus a lot of pushback because they kind of liked the status quo. And you see what Jesus was doing here? He's at the center of the story, and he's got these outsiders that he's pulling closer and saying, come on, guys. You belong nearer than you are. And the people who thought that they were at the middle of the story, he's saying, no, actually, you're really not in the middle of the story because he was creating a level playing field for all of us. All of us belong in an equidistant kind of relationship with him, no matter what our status is. And so Jesus was trying to help create that level playing field so that these people could share a common faith in him, exactly what he wants to do with us on so many levels. So when we look at Luke 15, and we're going to do that in just a moment, Luke 15, um, we're, we are struck by this common purpose that Jesus weaves through all three of these stories. It was simply to bring every person, every person who would be hearing him speak, to bring them close to a heavenly father, to bring them close to their heavenly home, their true home. And we looked at the lost sheep, and we looked at the lost coin, and now we're going to look at a lost Son. This is the pinnacle of Jesus' storytelling in this particular setting. And I'm going to read the whole thing. It's quite a lot of verses, uh, but it's all one story and it flows together really, really well. I think you'll really be able to engage with it. Um, It's very easily one of the top three stories that people recognize that Jesus told. So if you have an app uh, or in the notes when you're online, uh, you can see this in your notes. uh, Or if you have a physical copy of the Bible like I do, um, you can follow along as I read this story as Jesus told it to these this group of people. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. But not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, a far country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
Now, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed his pigs. His stomach longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, I have sinned against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put this ring on his finger. Get him sandals for his feet. Bring that fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home and you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. As Jesus tells this story, like there's just this massive mic drop moment. We're just left hanging, this cliffhanger that just hangs out here. We're like, yeah, tell us the rest. Well, did the older brother go into the house? Were the two sons reconciled? Did this broken family get restored? What happened? And then even beyond that, when you go to the crowd, well, how did the crowd respond to Jesus' three stories? We're not told any of that, and that's for good reason. That's exactly what Jesus and exactly what Luke, as an author, is trying to help us do. He's trying to cultivate our imagination to respond. You know, you can't just hear a story from Jesus and just walk away like, oh, well, that was nice. I'm really glad that we did that. That was fun. That was good. Oh, he intends you to respond to what he says. And if you want to know where you're at in this story, all you have to do is ask yourself the question that I asked before. Where are you in relationship to home? Now, the younger son, he traveled to a far country because his heart was already far from home. 
His home was actually with his father, but his heart was wild with passion, and he wanted to just do his own thing in his own way, free of the responsibilities that had been placed on him by his family. And speaking of family, don't forget that older brother's impact, right? That perfect, overachieving older brother. He was tired of living in that shadow. He was tired of being about his father's business, and he wanted to blaze his own trail, live his own life. He thought that he was imprisoned by his family, but he was really imprisoned by his selfish desires. He left his home a son, but he returned a beggar. Can any of us relate to that today? Is that you made life a mess, broken, used up, well, that son certainly represented the people, the outsider group that had been listening to Jesus that day. And I think some of us can identify with that younger son as well. Anxious to fulfill ourselves, do life on our own terms, we walk away from our Heavenly Father and walk away from our true home. Maybe even it's just through little decisions in life that we make along the way. And we wind up kind of wondering what happened. I mean, many of us even try to live good lives. We try to make the right moves, try to do the right things, live kind of wisely and make good decisions and even try to help other people out along the way if we can. And yet we do all of those things in our own way. And we're trying to do it on our own. And when that happens, when we're devoted to our own way, our heart can't help but lead us into a far country where we squander the things that God has given us. Maybe you're a man or a woman today who's watching uh, from the comforts of your own home, and yet, like, home is anything but comfortable for you right now because of the decisions that you've made in your life. Uh, Maybe there's a sin that you've been caught in, or maybe there's a sin you need to get caught in today. A lie, a broken promise, uh, an affair, a shady business deal any number of a million things. And now, because of that decision or that series of decisions, you've got some distance between you and the people that you love and, more importantly, distance between you and God. Maybe you're watching and you're just completely spent. Maybe you're here in this room and you're just kind of on your last leg. I mean, this season has been tough for all of us, not just pandemic, but all the different pieces of life that combine together to just take our strength on so many levels. Maybe you're really just trying to survive. And wherever you might be, I mean, there's a list a mile long of different categories and places that you might be. You might feel like you're on that younger son journey. And if you are, I want you to pay attention to what the father does in Jesus' story. Because it's really the father's attitudes and actions that really change the whole game in this story. It shapes the whole thing. So the first thing that I notice about the father is that he let his son go. How hard it is it? Man, you know, if you're a parent, you know how hard it is to let your kids go on so many levels, right? But here this father is. I mean, the son basically said, Father, I wish you were dead so I could get my inheritance and go go do my own thing. Man, how rude is that? And the father doesn't put up a fight. He doesn't try to challenge him or change his attitude or perspective. He just does what he asks him to do and lets him go. 
wow, like that's so crazy. And it strikes me because, guys, um, God is not a perpetrator. He's not going to strong arm you into a relationship. He doesn't force us to follow him. That's because he really, really, really actually loves us, not in some kind of broken kind of way that we experience in this world, but true love. And love requires the freedom of reciprocity. I know that's a big word. It means that the two parties in a relationship need to have freedom to give and receive love together freely without being coerced in any way, shape, or form. That's how God approaches relationship with us. He allows us to leave and even squander the good gifts that he puts in our lives. So amazing. And the second thing that I notice is how the father is excited. I mean, excited is kind of a mild word, right? The father is crazy out of his mind excited. Like, he is so stoked up and on fire for the return of this son. It's unbelievable. Just listen to what he says. But while he, the son, was still a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Can you imagine that kid coming from the pigsty, being in beggar's clothes, and his dad just wraps his arm around and plants a big kiss on his face? Man, that's a picture of love. So there's a few things that we draw from that. We can see our heavenly father love us in these same ways. Guys, he sees us. He sees you right now exactly where you are. No matter if you're in this room or somewhere else across the country or around the world. He sees you. He knows the days that have been allotted for us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows us and he sees us. He's full of compassion towards us. He suffers with us. He's in the fight with us. His heart is overwhelmed with compassion. He runs to us, throws his arms around us, and kisses us. That may feel like a little bit of an awkward statement. That's how passionately, intimately God loves us. He reinstates us just like the Father. Get the robe, put the ring, get the sandals. He wants to reinstate us into our rightful role in the family. And he celebrates our transformation with a great big party. That may feel weird to us, but that's really a result of our brokenness, not his. We don't have hope today because we have a dad. We have hope today because we have a good dad. He's a good father. The father that Jesus wants us to know is not afraid of our mess. He's not thrown by our awful treatment of him. He's not deterred by our stench. And to be sure, some of our lives, all of our lives at some point, really stink. They smell bad. And he's not standoffish. When we approach, he runs to us. Now, if you can identify with this younger brother, these tax collectors and sinners that were in Jesus' crowd, I just want you to know you can come home today. You can come to your senses. And you can return to your heavenly father where you belong. In fact, um, this compassionate father, he'll interrupt you right in the middle of your explanation. That's exactly what the father does in Jesus' story, Right? The son is trying to explain how unworthy he is. And the father just interrupts him and says, hey, let's get the party started here. Because this boy that was dead is now alive. So it's time to stop rehearsing your I'm sorry speech for God. And it's time to simply receive his goodness in your life. Maybe you've never had anybody receive you like this. And this is brand new. But you can get that new start today. 
You can be done with the, well, I'll make it up to you. And how do I earn? You can be done with all of that and just receive his goodness today. We call that saying yes to Christ here. And it really simply means that you're ready to admit and be done with sin in your life. You're ready to be done with the effects of the sin of other people in your life. You're ready to receive his forgiveness that was bought and paid for by Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. It means that you believe you have a compassionate father who's really ready to receive you, just like a lost sheep, like a lost coin, or like a lost son. That's exactly what the younger son did. He returned to his dad when he came to his senses. And you can come back to your dad too. He's ready to restore you in the exact same fashion. That's why Jesus tells this story. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, hold the phone, just wait. (laughs) Time out, hold on. What about this older brother thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like this disaster that enters into this beautiful picture. It's like uh, Bob Ross got interrupted by Marilyn Manson. (laughs) Yeah, there's this older brother that spoils the whole story, right? I mean, it's this beautiful story of redemption and reconciliation. All of a sudden, this hard-hearted, bitter older son comes into the picture, and he's the guy that had stayed at home, but he had grown really cold towards his father. Even the knowledge of a secure inheritance wasn't enough to stay his bitterness and his anger towards his dad. You know, he was really exactly like his younger brother, just in a little different way. He was really entangled in his selfish desires, just like the little brother. They both saw their father as a means to their own ends of fulfillment. They both wanted to be be the center of a great big party. (laughs) They wanted to be the life of the party. He was the guy that was sitting down on the inside, but he was, or outside, but standing up on the inside. And he represents those Pharisees, those insiders that were part of Jesus' crowd. And these people had exaggerated their own significance by exaggerating their own obedience. I've been following God. Their self-righteousness was their imprisonment. It kept them from seeing it. Now, maybe you have some kind of issue today that's creating bitterness between you and God. Maybe you feel like he's let you down in some way, shape, or form. Like you had this perception that when you gave your life to Christ, that things would get better. And maybe they have on some levels, but maybe they've also gotten a lot worse or a lot harder too. Maybe you just feel like people only value you for what you can do for them. You know, you're giving of your time, you're giving of your talents and your abilities, you're even giving of your financial resources, and you just feel really burned out in the process. You're frustrated maybe even by the progress that you don't see in your own growth, in your own life with Christ. And you feel like maybe, is this all there is? Like, is this all that's possible? Maybe you've been praying about something specifically that's very close to your heart, and you just feel like there's silence on the other side of the conversation. You know, there's lots of ways. Again, the list is a mile long of ways that we don't really get our goat to celebrate, that we don't get our fair share. We don't get our full benefit that we feel we should have. And if that's you in any way, shape, or form today, um, I just want you to know you don't have to stand out in the dark like the older brother. You don't have to stay there. In fact, you're 
your need for an answer or your need for your fair share right now, it might really be preventing you from joining an amazing family party. And you can make a different decision today too. And we call that going all in. And it really is based on the character of the father, that character that remains the same. It's consistent for both sons. Just listen to what the father says. My son, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. It's the same compassion that this father has for this older brother. He wants to be close. He wants to share out of the abundance of his love and his possessions. He wants the son to be with him in all that he does. We have that kind of father. And you can go all in with him. Take that next step with him today. And you may be part of the family of God, but you might still need a heart change, just like this older brother. Maybe you've been holding back. You've been holding out or you've been holding against something against God. And you just need to lay that to rest and just be fully on fire and part of the family. Now, I don't know how you left home As I said before, I think we've all left home on some level or another. I don't know how that story has gone for you, how you left home. What I do know is that it's time to come home. It's time for all of us to be part of an amazing family with the best dad in the whole world. And if you want to do that today, I want to invite you to take that step. Again, we're not going to coerce you. We're not going to strong arm you into this. I'm just setting it up for you to step in freely. If you want to make that decision, if you're feeling like the younger brother or you're feeling like the older brother, you're watching online and this message is impacting you, you can, you can click on the raise my hand button that's popping up in your chat right now. And if you're here in the auditorium, you can pull your phone out and you can text the letters YTC, that just stands for yes to Christ, YTC to the number 555888. It'll be up here on the screen for you to, to know. And when you do either of those things, we're just going to ask for a little bit of contact information from you so that we can celebrate what God is doing in your life because I know that he's impacting somebody's heart right now, whether they're here in this room or they're connecting with us online. Now, when you do that, there's a couple of things that will happen. The first thing that will happen, and most importantly, there is a massive party that's going to happen in heaven. Can you imagine the angelic beings and the saints that have gone before us that are just waiting. They're like, come on, just say yes. Just go for it. They're ready to throw this great big party for you as you make that decision to return to the Father. And the second thing that's gonna happen is we wanna celebrate with you too. We're your church family. And we want you to know how much we love you. And so we're gonna connect with you today about the decision that you make. We're going to follow up because you matter to us and you matter to God. So whether this is your first Sunday or this is your hundredth Sunday, the ball is in your court, just like this big cliffhanger that Jesus gave to his audience. The ball is in your court. And if you want to make that decision right now, either by clicking the raise your hand button or texting YTC, 
I want to pray for all of us today as we receive this story into our lives to take those next steps with God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for your love. Thanks for your power, your peace, and your generosity. We're so grateful for what you're doing right now in people's hearts. I know. We're, we're here for the one more. We long for people to be connected with you because you're the best person that we know. We want everybody to have the opportunity to know you. So Jesus, wherever people are right now hearing my voice, I pray for your blessing in their lives, that you would walk with each one in the midst of whatever situation they're facing today. I pray that your grace would draw them close, that your grace would help them take a next step, just like you've helped me over the years take those next steps that you wanted me to take. We're so grateful, God, to be called into your family. Thank you for seeking us out, the lost sheep, the lost coins, the lost sons and daughters. We give you the praise for all these things, God. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.